Well, hello and welcome back to episode 27 of the T-Draft, the Film Buff podcast. Um, you know, different week than, than last week. Last week we kind of went through Ace Comic Con recap. Didn't even review any movies. Didn't really talk about any of the news at all. This week it's kind of a catch-up episode, at least for me. Talk about some casting that happened uh, over the last week. Some major, major movie news that people might not think is actually as major as it is, to me at least. We'll get into that middle of the show, and then at the end, kind of do a mini-review of a couple of movies I saw over the last week, and then a tease of what's to come tomorrow night, because tomorrow night's Monday Night Football is pretty dang big. Let's begin, though, with the biggest casting news of the week, and that's that The Batman, coming out in 2021, starring Bobby Batts himself, Robert Pattinson, as the titular Batman. Um, They cast a couple of major characters this week. Uh, Been rumors swirling around the internet for a long time about Jonah Hill now being in the movie. That's no longer happening. He has since dropped out reportedly because of the amount of money he was asking for. I don't know how true that is, but um, he's out. He's not playing Penguin or Riddler. Um, but in fact, Paul Dano himself will be playing Edward Nigma, a.k.a. the Riddler. This is great news, not only because Paul Dano is a fantastic actor, and he's just incredible at playing... I don't even want to say villains because a lot of his roles in the past are not necessarily villains, but they're more anti-heroes or not anti-heroes, but antagonists. Um, he's certainly not playing an anti-hero. This is definitely going to be the lead villain from all reports. Um, but what's even better is that this is literally the guy who I had hoped and predicted for um, in episode 22 of this podcast on September 13th. This is a little over a month ago. I mean, I literally said on air uh that paul dano would be my choice i just didn't know if they would if the studio would want to go with somebody a little bit more famous a little bit more clout next to the name um but hey i mean they were fine with it so we got to go with what the um you know the studio wants at that point and i think the studio absolutely made the right choice here paul dano's fantastic uh, does this open the door then for his partner slash I think he may be married to at this point, Zoe Kazan, to play, uh, you know, maybe a character in the Batman franchise or some other you know, DC character. I think Zoe Kazan is even more underrated than Paul Dano is, and she has not really had any sort of, and maybe this is by choice, I don't know, but she's not really had any sort of big-budget movie roles, or even really TV, to be honest. Um, you know, it's all been, to this point, uh, you know, just you know, rom-com here, major drama there, um, which is great. But you, you, you were kind of—at least I was kind of hoping for for more um, out of her career to this point. But I think she's probably perfectly fine with where she's at, to be honest. It's at least what it seems like. Um, but anyway, I'm extremely excited for Paul Dano to be the Riddler. I think he's going to knock it out of the park. Um, I just hope that they give him a lot to do. I don't know. I mean, apparently the reports are that the Riddler is the main villain, which could be very well why Jonah Hill kind of said no and stepped out and said, no, pay me $10 million. I'm not going to be the Penguin. I want to be the Riddler, blah, blah, blah. Um, but anyway, Zoe Kravitz was cast as Catwoman slash Lynn Kyle. Um, 
this is is intriguing casting. I know a lot of people are like really, really on board with it, and a lot of people are really, really against it. I'm kind of in between because I don't, I don't necessarily know. I I don't know the type of major charismaticness is that even a word probably not that she may have on screen especially with a guy like Robert Pattinson um, sometimes Pattinson can come off as very cold and like not not charismatic which I guess kind of lends itself to the character of Batman not necessarily Bruce Wayne though uh, certainly we know that Bruce Wayne has to be very charismatic to even you know be believable as somebody who would go out at night and kind of put uh, you know, his troubles under the mask and, you know, fight crime. So I think Bobby Batts will be a, a good choice, but I don't, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the Zoe Kravitz casting, especially because she was very good in Big Little Lies season two under, uh, you know, the guise of not necessarily great writing for her character. I was kind of getting annoyed with her storyline but she was always very good in the scenes that she had. Um, so I'm intrigued by it, but I also know that there's other performances of hers, like something in Fantastic Beasts, which I don't think you can necessarily blame on her. I don't think anybody in those movies is giving good performances. I saw somebody the other day do a side-by-side of what Jude Law uh, playing Dumbledore is in like 1919 in their timeline, in the Harry Potter timeline, and then like um, whatever his name is, Richard... God, I, can't, I can never remember his name as Dumbledore and what the timeline would be as 20, 1929. And it's like, it's laughable, like the, the continuity that they kind of put to the side uh, with that character and with that franchise. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm intrigued with Zoe Kravitz casting. I'm, I'm hopeful, uh, but I know that Paul Dano will be great. Um, so that's, that's the Batman casting. First part of the show is behind us now. Uh, Kevin Feige was promoted this week to CCO. So from what I understand, just president or I don't know if there was like a different, was he just lead producer? He's definitely more than like a lead producer title, but I don't remember what his title was beforehand. But now that they have named him the chief creative officer, I mean, that's, that's a big step up. A lot of people are thinking that this is leading to him possibly taking over Bob Iger's role in the future or maybe switching over to Star Wars, taking over Kathleen Kennedy's role. I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago uh, when the Sony uh, agreement kind of finally happened again. Um, but the more important thing about this and perhaps the more uh, intriguing part about this is that taking over the CCO position um, – and also essentially announcing that everything from the movies, the TV shows, the comics are all going to be kind of going through him. <sighs> I don't know. I, it kind of backs you into a corner sometimes. I don't know why the comics need to be under him unless they're trying to do like storylines that are side by side with what you know the movies or TV shows are doing, kind of like corresponding to that i don't i don't really know why i'm assuming that he's just kind of they're going to pitch him an idea but go ahead, go ahead and do it and kind of give the the comic writers free reign it's not going to be like what star wars is where every single comic and every single book and every single tv show now and every single movie has to relate to one specific um kind of ultimate universe which i guess makes sense because Star Wars started out as movies and it just feels like from a viewer's perspective that 
everything is in the same universe as the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy and now the, the reboot trilogy, if you will. Um, but I think it's just dangerous. It's dangerous um, to put all creative control under one person. But if it's going to be anybody, it's going to be Kevin Feige. Uh, especially because he really hasn't had a major miss movie-wise yet. I would consider Captain Marvel a big miss. I would consider Ant-Man and the Wasp an even bigger miss. But it's not like they're they're complete meltdowns of movies. Like they're 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 completely serviceable films, but narrative wise, execution wise, I think they're pretty poor. Um, and of course, both of them come in twenty nineteen here. So I don't or no, I'm sorry, Ant-Man and the Wasp was twenty eighteen, but they were back to back. Both movies were back to back. So that's just me. Uh, on those two movies. I think those two movies are pretty beloved from the wide uh, audience. But, speaking of Marvel, none other than Ryan Reynolds uh, met with Marvel Studios this week, posted a picture about it on, on social media. Now, if you think that this picture was not approved by Kevin Feige himself or everybody else there at Marvel Studios, you're, you're wrong. Because it absolutely was. You, you have to know it was. They're, they're tighter on everything there. Ryan Reynolds isn't necessarily one to go out of his way to go against authority. Now, you know, some of you may say, well, back in 2015 or what was it, 2014 at this point, he leaked the, the video, uh, the test footage of, of the Deadpool and the, the car chase and the, um, the part that ultimately led into basically the first major action scene of Deadpool. He leaked that out to the internet so that there could be buzz surrounding the possibility that they would do a Deadpool movie. And, of course, they greenlit it maybe three or four months later, I think. Uh, so, you know, you could say that maybe he has shown signs in the past of, of kind of going against the greater authority. I, I think he's he definitely got this approved by the MCU folks over there. Uh, and, you know, they've said in the past that they are going to let Ryan Reynolds and, uh, oh, God, Rhett Race and Paul Warner, is that their names? The writers of Deadpool kind of do their thing for the, the Deadpool 3 and beyond and kind of just let him exist kind of inside and outside of the MCU, which I think is the perfect choice. Kind of just do the same thing with what he was doing with the X-Men. Like, you don't need to have them in the movies. You can have him reference them. You could have him make fun of the Sony Marvel uh, disagreement. You could have him make fun of Downey Jr. dying, or I should say Tony Stark dying in, in Endgame. You could have him make fun of all that stuff, and it would be perfectly fine. I don't think anybody would be mad that there's some sort of continuity error. It's Deadpool. What do you expect? There's not going to be... No, they're not going to have any major storylines. It's just a fun movie to sit back, relax, strap it down, and enjoy your time. Uh, but I love that because that just signals... you got to assume they're taking meetings now. They're probably giving the go-ahead start writing the script the movie will probably be officially announced like q1 of 2020 maybe even the latter end of this year i kind of doubt it uh, but i would say q1 of 2020 start shooting this summer uh kind of released in, in summer of 2021 which would then mean that there's five mcu movies that year if you're counting deadpool but since it's kind of produced outside of the MCU, in a way, uh, I think you can kind of forgive that, but five Marvel movies from Marvel Studios in the same year, that's pretty insane. That is pretty insane, and never even thought I would hear myself say that out loud. Uh, but anyway, very exciting news with Ryan Rounds uh, meeting with Marvel there. 
All right, let's get into a couple of the movies I watched this week. Uh, and there were many more. Uh, I did, you know, rewatch The Dark Knight. I rewatched Friends with Benefits. I rewatched, oh, God, what was the other movie I rewatched? But anyway, the, the new movies that I checked out finished, I guess, because I started El Camino last week, but I did finish it uh, this past, was it Monday or Tuesday or something like that? Uh, I liked it a lot. I did. Um, but what I was kind of saying to other people who were asking me about it was, like, is there really a necessity for it? Um, did it need to exist? Uh, does it really do anything that different or surprising? No. No. But it's pretty dang good. It's entertaining from the beginning to the end. But again, does it need to Does it need to exist? I, I would probably say no. Uh, I don't, I don't really think that, um, I almost kind of think that the imagination of, uh, kind of predicting where Jesse went off to at the end of, of Breaking Bad would have maybe benefited them more. I mean, I get it. You're, you're getting buzz around Netflix. You're, you're getting money. It's a money. It's not a cash grab, but you could say it's a cash grab in a way. But I do like that this comes from Vince Gilligan. He wrote, he directed it. He was only going to make it if he had an idea, which I do like a lot of the stuff with Robert Forster in the movie. I thought that sequence um, in the um, the vacuum cleaner store or whatever it was, that was fantastic. Loved that stuff. Uh, I loved the, the, the couple little twists they have um, in that like abandoned apartment. Jesse Plemons is very good. And you can't even like, you, you just you feel like you're right back in that world, even the the score, the music, uh, and you know, I mean, the last shootout or whatever is, it's good, um, and then the 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 last little bit where he imagines Kristen Ritter in the car that was really good, I was pretty moved by that, um, because I loved her character in that show, and you know, her ultimate demise is course unfortunate but it made the show what it was um the little bit with brian cranston was good as well because that kind of gives him you know whether or not that's a little contrived because it's not like it's he's experiencing it uh, in real time that's like him experiencing a flashback which is you know of course it's a little contrived and it's like okay of course he would be picturing walter white in this time uh but but we have to remember that at this point in time it had only been you know, what, a, a week, a couple days since he had just uh, witnessed Walt basically die uh, for the last... I mean, that's... You know, so of course he's going to imagine him a couple of times. Uh, bald cap, a little bit no noticeable. Uh, from what I understand, it was literally a day. They flew him in for a day, put the bald cap on, it was a faulty bald cap, shot the thing. They weren't allowed to be seen outside of the little room they were filming in, and then they flew him back out for the... Broadway play or whatever he was doing or something in London, I think, and then that was it. That was literally the that was that was his cameo and that was it. Uh, I was definitely spoiled for that cameo before I saw it because, of course, I waited a couple days to see El Camino, um, but I kind of expected them to have Brian Cranston in there. But I loved all the, the little tiny cameos as well, um, except for there was no Saul. But I guess there really wouldn't have made sense. I mean, you could have had Saul. I don't remember where he is at this point. Did he did he leave with Robert Forster's character? Is that how he got out of there? I think that's probably what happened. Anyway, so El Camino was pretty good. Let's move on to Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Another long gestating franchise, characters, whatever you want to call it. Actually, all three of the movies I'm going to do a mini-review for are like long-term sequels of sorts. Um, 
I really like this movie a lot. It's raunchy. It's got the Kevin Smith humor that you've been missing. There's probably a little bit too much fan service, to be honest with you. Um, I enjoyed all the fan service, but is it like actually a good movie? I don't know that you could say that. Um, but I mean, not a lot of Kevin Smith movies are like good movies. Like Clerks 1, Clerks 2, those are good movies. Dogma's a good movie. I don't even know. I mean, Chasing Amy's good, but I think it's kind of dated. Um, oh, God, what else am I missing here? There's plenty of them. But, I mean, Jan Side by the first one, that's not a good movie. It's an enjoyable movie. It's definitely not good. Uh, but it's essentially like the same plot. Go on a road trip to stop them, stop Hollywood from producing a movie about them. I think the cameo with Ben Affleck, that scene was one of the best Kevin Smith directed scenes in all of his filmography. I thought it was really poignant in a way to have both Jay's real life kid and Kevin Smith's real life kid be in the movie. Uh, and you know, I mean, of course, Jay's kid in the movie is is Kevin Smith's real daughter. It's like vice versa, kind of. But um, I thought that Ben Affleck scene was really moving, actually, especially to have. Oh God, what's her name in there? I can't. I can never remember her name. Uh, who plays the love interest in Chasing Amy? Uh, but but that was really nice, especially because that cameo kind of came in at the very end with Ben Affleck. I saw that that was pretty moving. That Kevin Smith finally got to reunite with Affleck after like being estranged as friends for years for whatever reason. Um, that was really great. There's some really, really fun cameos near the end. And ultimately, I think it is kind of a moving movie, especially if you've been with these characters for decades now. Um, I don't think you can deny that there's there's certainly um, some scenes where you kind of, I don't want to say get tear, tearful or anything, choked up, but you, you feel moved. You definitely feel moved. Um, and I can't deny that he, he, he got me in a couple scenes. And of course, there's some seriously hilarious scenes and I wish the movie was in wider release but I, I ultimately know why they couldn't have because they couldn't afford to put the movie in that many theaters uh, so that was Jay and Silent Bob reboot will they do a third one I don't know I know Kevin Smith has talked about doing another Mallrats movie uh, I know that they're going to do Clerks 3 I guess now uh, which I think we talked about was it last week or two weeks ago I think it was last week um but yeah, so that all exciting stuff. Maybe it's two weeks ago, actually. Now that I think about it, let's check. Yeah, it was when I talked about Joker and Phoebe Waller-Bridge hosting SNL. Clerks Three is happening. That was the episode. Anyway, that's what Kevin Smith says. I cannot wait for anything else Kevin Smith puts out. I'm not a huge fan of the horror stuff. I haven't even watched them, but I don't. I don't really care to see Kevin Smith direct horror movies, Tusks and um, Yoga Hosers, whatever those. I mean, I will eventually see them. I just don't know that they. I don't think that's where Kevin Smith is home at. I think he's home directing episodes of Flash or Supergirl and directing stuff like this, Jane Silent Bob reboot. Let's move on to Zombieland 2, the last thing I'm going to do a little mini-review of here. It's been 10 years. Was the sequel necessary? Again, no, wasn't necessary. Did it work? Hell yeah, it worked. That movie was a freaking blast. Uh, Woody Harrelson, once again, knocks it out of the park. He doesn't want any Twinkies this time. I don't even think he ultimately said the word Twinkie in the movie. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg is great. Doesn't look like he's changed a bit. He's exactly the same person. 
Emma Stone kills it again. There's a really, really funny bit where she's kind of reacting to uh, Eisenberg's new girlfriend in the movie. I should say Columbus's new girlfriend in the movie, played by Zoe Deutsch, who is annoying, but kind of almost like uh, she teeters back and forth between adorable and incredibly annoying in the movie. But I think it ultimately falls in the uh, the former category. She's she's, I mean, play, she's pretty cute in the movie. It's, I can't deny that like she got me a couple times with the laughs, made me smile a couple times with that character. But I I kept flashing back to like Thor one and Thor two with um uh with what's her name the friend of Natalie Portman's character in the movie just being incredibly annoying. But again, I think the humor fits. It, it's funny, but sometimes it may be a little out of place. Um, sometimes maybe a little too much. But it's it's still funny, and and um, and there's a bit where you know Woody Harrelson's like looking for Elvis's lost or last like living place. He wants to you know go there, and then he'll go off on his own. Of course, he meets a love interest for himself with Rosario Dawson. There's a little bit in there where like there's uh, Luke Wilson and, and Thomas Middleditch play the uh, other versions of Eisenberg and Harrelson essentially it's really funny of course Abigail Breslin gets a lot more to do here she has her own journey um, the only one who actually looks a lot older because she was only 12 years old at the time will they do a third one probably in 10 years and I don't want them to do anything until 10 years from now I feel like it's a kind of a funny little thing to do one every 10 years uh, I love that Emma Stone wanted to do a, a cameo with the Walking Dead crew. I think that that would have been really funny. Um, probably, I don't think AMC would have approved that, but I think it would have been really funny. Um, so that's Zombieland 2. I really enjoyed that, especially near the end. I kind of did get emotional a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I got a little emotional. And Eisenberg doing the narration, I'm going to take it or leave it, but uh, the writing, writing very good. Very good, and I hope those writers get back right on to do Deadpool 3. Finally, the last piece of news is that officially, and it's to be expected, but officially, the Rise of Skywalker final trailer will be debuting tomorrow night during Monday Night Football, which to my understanding, I believe, is the Patriots and Jets. But let me see here. Officially. Yes, it is the Patriots and Jets on Monday Night Football Rise of Skywalker trailer debuting. What do I want to see? I don't know. I think it's more of like what I don't want to see. I don't want to see anything from the last 30 minutes of the movie. I don't need to see anything with Luke. Give me more Luke narration and that's about it. That's all I need. Maybe a couple more shots of Leia. Although I don't think she's going to be in the movie for more than a couple minutes. Maybe a great lightsaber shot of Rey like we always get. Um... And then maybe some stuff with Carrie Russell's character. I would like to see some stuff there, although I do kind of fear that that character is going to be kind of in maybe 15 minutes of the movie, screen time-wise. Maybe a little bit of Lando. I don't know. I'm kind of saying everything, aren't I? Uh, but I just don't want to see anything from the last 30 minutes of the movie. Do that, and you've succeeded in my book. I think that that'll probably just about do it here. It's Batman casting, Feige promoted to CCO. Some more Marvel news with Ryan Reynolds meeting with Marvel Studios. A couple of reviews from some long gestating characters that had not seen the, the big screen or screen in general in years. Uh, and then, of course, the trailer of all trailers to debut tomorrow to end 
the saga completely. That's it. That's the show. Until next time, thanks.